Thank you for joining us for episode 31 of Head Start, a weekly podcast to help Liberty's adult and student ministry life group leaders and, well, anyone else who wants to listen, uh, prepare for the upcoming lesson. So we are so excited. This is our, this is the first published uh, we, we recorded one that would have been our first, but it kind of got eaten by technology for last week. But this will be our first uh, podcast to be published in 2024. So it'll be forever a mystery what happened to episode number 30. Yes. Of forever an episode. This podcast. Mm. Wow. Uh, hmm. Oh, well. Okay. So <laughs> let's think about, uh, because this is, uh, you know, a timeless year. When some of us are commiserating, others, a very few, are celebrating uh, what just happened in college football because that's so important, right? It's uh, we do live in the South, we live in Alabama, and we got to think about these things because it's so important. We finished a season uh, that, for some, were almost really close to what you really wanted. Alabama finished with a season of twelve and two. Tim. I know that yes. was hurtful for you. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then Auburn finished the season, wow, with a record of six and seven. Kyle, give me your initial thoughts on that. Ready for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> and then Miami, because these are the themes that are important around this table, uh, finished with a record of seven and six. A lot of close games. It really should have been 10 and, you know, two or three. Uh, yeah. Just you can't lose to Rutgers, you know. It's there's, tough. There's that. Hey, Solid program. Yeah. You can't lose to New Mexico State. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you I really do want to just say, though, this year for Miami was really important because we turned Georgia Tech's season around. Oh, Not yeah. that they had a great season either, but after they beat us, they went on to do some wow. much better things. So, that's a, yeah, and, that's, and that was the purpose of this I'm year for Miami. I'm surprised Brian didn't come back with, and you can't get beaten by Maryland. Oh, you true. can't give up a fourth and 31. Well, either. there's, there's, hey, there's yeah, that. There's that. <laughs> uh, and then we have Down a in history. An honorable mention, because Georgia is so close and they've been so good the last couple of years, mentioned them. They went 13-1. and one. Wow. Uh, they did lose to Tim Seaman. Can't lose the championship. No, game. that's a big one. So so here's, here's what I want to ask for is a bold prediction the season for 24-25 is coming, and it'll start before we know it. Uh, I'm sure that on sports radio, they'll start counting the number of days down soon, um, if they haven't already. But I'd like to hear your bold prediction for this coming season, 24-25. Yes. So let's, um, we, I guess we may as well go around the table for the University of Alabama. We'll well, there might as well start with the standard. We're going undefeated. So, <laughs> I mean, any surprise of that? Did you find a quarterback yet? Yeah, yeah. Melrose going to be the man. So, uh, oh, is he coming back? Wow. <laughs> sure, he'll oh, come back. Sure, he will. Okay. There you go. Okay. Let's, so, he's going to make more money in NIL than he's going to make signing in the pros. Probably, that's that's probably true. So, so then you're saying because of the new 12 team playoff that Alabama would go 15 and 0. 15 and 0 because they'll be in the top four. Or 16. Yeah. No. 15. Oh, 15 because yeah. they'll be in the top four. That's okay. right. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, every wow. big headed Alabama fan, we're going undefeated. <laughs> so, yeah. I like that. 
Okay, Brian, can you, uh, what, what are your thoughts about Alabama? Let's, well, let's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, my head is spinning. Uh, you know, Miami fans live in the land of delusion. Yes. Uh, uh, we'll give up after the first couple games, but, uh, I really expect a, um, a 13 and 0 season for the Canes next year. Wow. Uh, I'm sorry, 13 and one, 13 and one, because I think that we will beat Florida state, uh, in the regular season. Okay. And then I think we'll have to play Florida State again oh. in the ACC championship game. And I think we'd lose that game. Uh, and then I expect both teams to be left out of the 12-team <laughs> college football playoff because what I really think is going to happen is a 12-team SEC playoff next year because it just means more, I guess. And sure. so, you know, yes. forget the rest of the conferences and teams. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there's Miami. That's awesome. And, and let's, let's think about uh, Auburn. What are your thoughts on Auburn? I think a realistic... Because I'm going to try to be realistic. <laughs> yes, yes. Are you suggesting yeah. that we have not? <laughs> so we, we're coming we away from a six, a six and uh, I'm I'm here with I've, you. Six and seven. I've looked at their schedule, okay. and it's a much better. It's it's like a Georgia schedule. Oh. Um, oh. How Do you not have to play New Mexico past. State next year? We don't. We have That's to play good. New Mexico, but not oh. New Mexico okay, State. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, I think I think nine and three. Um, I think nine and three. Uh, if you throw in a bowl, uh, maybe we can win a bowl game and get to ten and three. Uh, but I think that's a realistic shot for for Auburn next year. Okay. Wow. Wow. I was going to be a little less optimistic and go with like uh, just switch the numbers and go seven and six. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe Ooh, I'm a, seven and six. Maybe I'm People a little are getting antsy. Well, then. that's that's possible. Well. You gotta love college football. Some are so sad that it's over, um, you know, for a season for a little while. But I'm, all of the talking heads will have plenty to say in the off season. So, all right, enough with that. Let's talk about a, a sermon series that will begin this coming Sunday. Um, no, it will have already been. Yeah, the Sunday before it started. Uh, so, but we'll continue in this new sermon series. Uh, and so, Tim, could you just give us uh, a little highlight over this sermon series that we're currently in? Yeah, this is an important series as we um, uh, live out our mission. And so, as we're in the midst of it, the title, More Like Jesus, we're covering each of our six measures that identify marks of a disciple. And so, we are excited to be able to create clarity and uh, also some accountability to grow in these measures as we pray uh, and, and discipline ourselves to grow to be more like Jesus. That's good. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, the passage for this coming Sunday will be Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 11. And Brian is going to walk us through this passage uh, now. Be my joy. So <clears throat> the second measure that we will highlight and uh, tackle on the 14th of January is that of a student who lives changed. Um, it's a critical uh, measure for all of our people to understand um, and for us to understand that it's not just about what you know. Uh, it's about how you respond to what you know. And so we want to be students who look at the life of Jesus, study it, observe who he is, what he does, uh, what we can learn from it, but then also people who live changed, who put that into practice and do things different. So our passage for the day is going to kind of strike you as maybe a little different. Um, Luke 5, 1 through 11 is a story. And so uh, we're kind of watching this story to capture insight on uh, the measure at hand. Uh, but it is a really exciting passage, and, and I look forward to sharing it with you. Um, 
our text is actually just verses 4 through 11, but I am going to give the context of 1 through 3 to set us up. Um, the crowd is pressing in on Jesus. Uh, he has launched his ministry. It's going very well. He's becoming popular, um, and people are getting excited about this um, kind of you know, upshot rabbi from, uh, from, from Galilee uh, who is teaching God's word and teaching it well, teaching it with authority. Um, and impressing uh, others. And so Luke tells the story that the crowd is pressing in on him to hear God's word. Uh, he's by Lake uh, Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, just another name for it. And uh, so you get the image of Jesus on the beach and the crowd's like, you know, pushing him almost toward the edge of the lake, toward the water. And there were some fishermen nearby. We learned from the end of the passage that it's Peter, Andrew, his brother, uh, and then James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, all four would become disciples. Uh, they're out in the water fishing. Uh, they had left the lake or on the on the shore, and they were washing their nets. And so Jesus, in order to step back from the crowd a little bit and amplify his voice as well, gets into the boat uh, that belongs to Simon Peter and asks him to put out a little bit from the land. And then Jesus sits down on the boat, uh, just this really cool image of the Lord sitting down on the edge of the boat and uh, beginning to teach the crowd from right there. We are not clued into what he says in this sermon, uh, Luke immediately moves to verse 4, which is where our passage picks up. And it says, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let your nets down for a catch. So he gives this instruction uh, to Peter, um, who has not yet in the gospel narrative of Luke been called to be a disciple. But it's obvious that he's familiar with Jesus. He knows him and they have a relationship at this point. It's really important to note that these guys, professionals though they were at fishing, had given up. I mean, they had turned in for the day. You know, they hadn't caught anything, and that's what Peter says. Uh, he says, you know, Master, um, we've worked hard all night long, and we've caught nothing. Then there's this really important word that comes after that. He says, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets, Right. So again, you've got to keep this image of what's happening in mind as you walk through the passage. Jesus has just delivered this outstanding sermon, of course. Um, the crowd is mesmerized by his teaching. <laughs> These fishermen are discouraged and downcast about the fact that they, they worked all night long and they didn't catch anything, not a single fish. And now Jesus has asked them in front of a crowd of people to take the boat back out there, put the nets in the water, and try and catch something. What a great example of, despite your circumstances, being willing to be obedient. To yeah. God, if, look, I, I, I don't necessarily want to, <laughs> but God, if that's what you want, okay, let's go. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's good. I think it, the very first question in your material is a very good one uh, of why is it important to let go of what you're holding when you mm -hmm. surrender to Christ? And, you know, for these fishermen, they're holding uh, their lifetime of experience, their knowledge, uh, their fatigue. Uh, and all of these things uh, are things that are valid to them that, that they uh, had to let go of uh, their thought process, their experience, in order to be obedient in the midst of their weariness uh, and, and be intentional in surrendering to what Christ uh, uh, shared with them. And so, you know, leaning in as a life group leader to um, those in your life group, uh, why is it important for us to let go in order to totally surrender? And that uh, might get some good insight there. 
This also connects uh, what you just said, Tim, with uh, the, the measures moment uh, for this curriculum. Um, and you'll notice, you will have noticed the, the previous week, but also notice again this week that the uh, how we address the measures with each um, uh, series or each part of the curriculum is is different and so uh, you'll have a a box that is colored differently it's right in the middle of the the uh, flow of the the curriculum and so you really cannot miss it and we did that for a reason because we want to make sure that we cover these things in uh, our life groups uh, and so this being uh, the measure of a student who lives changed um, it really kind of fleshes out what does this actually mean for us to be students whose lives are changing and that this transformation is a process and how we get distracted and we can stop short of, of actually being changed and um, sometimes we can um, hold on to those things like Tim was talking about that keep us from being changed into the likeness of Christ and so the need to uh, continually uh, reevaluate. Hey, are we holding on to something other than Christ? And if so, we need to make that change because we are students who live changed. That's great. So again, keep this image in your mind, right? Peter's in the boat with Jesus. Jesus has finished his teaching. And Jesus asked him, all right, hey man, put us out in deep water, let down the nets for a catch, put yourself in Simon's shoes. What is he thinking? As Jesus asked him to do this, how, um, how unbelievably embarrassing would it have been if they put out, they drop the nets, and they don't catch a thing? I mean, it's it's almost like it has this feel of a magician, right, who the crowd is waiting with bated breath, but Peter's got to be thinking in the back of his mind, his mind, man, this could go wrong, and if he doesn't come through, then I'm about to be humiliated even more so than I already am. But here's what's crazy and what we've got to hang our hats on for this this passage is that it doesn't matter. Peter responds to the Jesus, that first word out of his mouth is master, right? Now, that word in Greek is epistates. Um, this is important, so hang on to that. It's kind of a, you know, there's not a huge amount of, like, learning that we can do from this word in particular. It's a general term for master or teacher uh, or, like, a you know, a kind of a human-level lord. Uh, but, but hang on to that, epistates. It's important because he says, master, if you say so, I'll do it. Uh, I think this is a great opportunity for us as a church to try and fill in that blank for ourselves, right? What Jesus, I don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, this is going to embarrass me if it goes wrong. I'm scared to death to do it. But if you say so, I will fill in the blank, right? Um, and, and how we can live with kind of that blank check attitude. Uh, what would be some things that maybe you're not willing to put in that blank today? And how can we be students who live changed down the road? Now, immediately after that, uh, you know, the Bible tells us that when they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. Uh, remember that back then they didn't fish with like, you know, a lure and a single thread like we do. Uh, they just used ropes uh, that, that kind of created a large uh, net for capturing as fish, uh, as hopefully a school of fish swam underneath the boat. And so then they would pull the nets up and whatever they caught was what they got to uh, earn their living with. Uh, in this case, too many fish come through, the nets are tearing, so they signal to James and uh, John to come and help them, their partners in the other boat, and so they come over and they fill both boats full that now it's not just the nets that have a problem, you know, it's like we've already, this one fisherman can't make it happen, the nets can't make it happen, now the boats can't make it happen because the boats are starting to sink because of this great miraculous catch. 
Uh, and so, you know, it's just, it's unbelievable how God comes through. And I just want to highlight real quick, at any point, if Peter would have stopped, would have pulled up the nets before this catch of fish came through, like he would have missed this unbelievable moment where God did a miracle. And I do feel like oftentimes we're so close, (laughs) you know, to being obedient enough to see God do something, but we get discouraged, we get tired, we get busy, and so we bail out and we give up. Um, And I think the message comes through there, man, just uh, don't give up on the Lord, like wait and see what he's going to do. Verses 8 through 11, uh, Peter sees this happen and he falls at Jesus' knees and he says, go away from me because I'm a sinful man. Uh, Now, this kind of confession and worship is critical. Uh, I'm going to rapid fire some passage references off to you. So if you want to write these down and bring them up with your group, uh, just remember Isaiah 6, 5, similar experience with Isaiah, Luke 19, 7, um, uh, where uh, Jesus is um, going to the house of a sinful man and people are are talking about how that relates Um, in 1 Kings uh, 9, you know, we're going to find the the story. Oh, I might actually have my reference there. But remember to look up the story of Elijah when he's uh, in the mountain and, you know, he's looking for the Lord's presence and it comes in that still small whisper. And when it happens, he wraps his face in his cloak and he goes outside to meet with the Lord, knowing that he's stepped into holy ground. Remember Moses, of course, who was commanded to take off his shoes as he encountered the presence of God. There's also times in the Bible where uh, people you know, just come up to either angels or humans, uh, trying to give them the same type of worship. Uh, Cornelius in Acts 10, 25 comes to Peter and he falls at his feet and worships Peter. And of course, Peter is like, no, don't do that. I'm just a man. Um, twice in Revelation, uh, John comes to an angel and he falls down and, you know, wants to worship at the feet of the angel. And the angel's like, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh other times, again, throughout the Gospels, you can look it up, and, and you'll find uh, John eleven thirty two, 32, Mark 5, 22, Luke 17, 16, uh, where these people fall down at the feet of Jesus. What we need to take away from this is that when Peter falls down at the feet of Jesus, Jesus does not rebuke him. There is only one who is worthy of receiving worship, but Jesus is God, and therefore he is worthy of that worship. And so he does not need to reject uh, Peter. He allows him to worship. And then this is amazing. The next word that Peter says is, you know, hey, I'm, a, I'm go away from me. I'm a sinful man, Lord. And I do hope that in your English translation, I hope it's different. The word that he used at first, master, and the word that he uses here, Lord, uh, because they are different in the original language. Like I said, master is epistates. Uh, Lord here is kurios, which... Um, Again, long story short here, the Bible that, you know, Peter would be mostly familiar with, whenever it used the divine name Yahweh, it would have been Kyrios, right? And so this is a huge uh, deal for him to not just say, Jesus, you're my master, you're my teacher. This is him acknowledging, at least in some respects, Jesus, you are my Lord. Like, you are the God whom I serve and whom I worship. And that's why he says, go away from me, uh, because he knows that he's a sinner. Remember that it was the catch of fish that surprised him so much, uh, the, the miracle that kind of confirmed uh, that this was who Jesus was, not just an average rabbi teacher, uh, but actually the Lord of all the universe. And Jesus responds with those wonderful words in verse 10, don't be afraid. Um, Jesus has 
taken care of uh, Peter's unholiness. He has allowed him to stand in his presence. And then he totally reorients the direction of Peter's lives with these words. He says, from now on, you're going to be catching people. So it's time to leave your nets. It's time to leave your boats. It's time to leave your career as a fisherman. From now on, you're going to be catching people for the sake of the gospel. And so verse 11 is what summarizes that that's exactly what happened. They brought their boats to the land. They left everything, and they followed after Jesus. Um, that last verse, verse 11, is critical to the direction of our series. And we talk about being more like Jesus. Life group leaders, I want you to think um, Jesus may not have left a boat behind, and he may not have left a fisherman's net behind, but he left his crown and his throne and his glory and his uninterrupted uh, access to and um, standing with the Father in the presence of heaven at all times. I mean, that is always the way that it had been, and he leaves that behind to come to earth on a rescue mission for the souls of people. And so Jesus is not asking Peter, James, John, and Andrew to do anything that he has not already done. He's saying, fellas, you're going to come follow me. I'm going to make you like me. And then you're going to go out and do the exact same thing that I've done. And so the onus is on us uh, as you know, believers in Jesus here at Liberty Baptist Church. If we will be like Jesus, then we too must be ready to bring our boats to the land to leave everything and to follow after Jesus so that he can turn us into fishers of people um, and so that we can hear that same word spoken over us. Don't be afraid, but from now on, you're going to be catching people. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. This is what it means to be a student who lives changed. So hope you guys have a great time discussing this passage with your life group. Yeah, thank you for that overview of the passage and looking forward to uh, this being taught, uh, even in the group that I'm uh, a part of on Sunday evening. So looking forward to that. Uh, um, Kyle, I think, is going to give us a point out, or live it out. Yeah, so the live it outs um, talk through, uh, both of them are related to evaluating uh, your life and seeing where you are uh, pursuing the Lord and where maybe you need to make a change in order to pursue the Lord. But I think the second live it out point is in very, very challenging, but it's also going to be a very good one. If, uh, if you as life group leaders will lead the way uh, in uh, helping your people to, to do this. And so the, the live it out point or, uh, yeah, point is humbly invite a trusted fellow believer to identify any area of your life where you need to surrender to the Lord's will. Hmm. We talk about the, the need to be transparent, the need to be open, the need to be honest with one another. Um, sometimes we are blind to our own uh, walks with the Lord and, and where we need to grow. And so to humbly uh, invite someone to be honest with us and to tell us if there's a place that they see where we're hanging on to something other than Jesus, mm. uh, that's, that can be a very, um, a very powerful moment in our own spiritual walk and life. So um, it's going to take some convincing on your part uh, as a life group leader to get people to do this, but the best convincing that you can do is for you to actually do this yourself yeah. and not to be offended, 
but to humbly ask and receive what others uh, might share with you about your own walk with the Lord. That's good. Thank you for that challenge and the reminder of our live it out. Uh, we need to, as life group leaders, be certain to in, include and challenge our people uh, to live out uh, the truths of, God word, of God's Word, and that's the purpose of the live it out. Uh, so as we close our time together, just to, just an encouragement to you, uh, as we've been doing uh, last week and, and then as we're moving into this, this coming um, Sunday, uh, be sure to give some extra encouragement to your uh, group, just that extra touch of, hey, be here on Sunday, be in worship, be a part of the worship and fellowship with God's people, be a part and be under the teaching of God's Word as we in that preaching, in, in presentation of the truth of God's Word, in large group worship. Encourage your, your group to be involved and engaged in that relational environment that we call life groups. It is so, we need each other. We need each other, yes, relationally. We need to be able to, to wrestle with and have conversation about the truth of God's Word. And then we need to hold each other accountable to living out His, his truths. Uh, so please be sure to make that and to give that extra effort and encouragement to connecting and encouraging your group to be present on Sunday. And then finally, uh, on the 14th, uh, January, Sunday, January the 14th, we will do, uh, we will be engaging our community through new homeowner visits. Uh, we'll meet at 2.30 on that Sunday afternoon in the East Venue and uh, gather uh, visits and go out into our community and make those visits. What a great opportunity for us to engage our community and just welcome people who are new to our community and invite them uh, to come and to visit Liberty. Uh, so don't miss this opportunity. I encourage you to be thinking now, leaders, who you will bring with you to go make those visits. And go ahead and make that invitation to someone in your group. So thank you for being a part of this uh, podcast, and we will see you on Sunday.